Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. We have guest speakers today, if you didn't know that. Uh, Guy and Dana Medeiros. And you are going to be so blessed. You're going to be so blessed. So let's just pray over them and lose the word and the anointing. Father, we thank you for Guy and Dana. We thank you for using them to bring the word to this place at this time, this day. It's the perfect day for you, God. October 30th, we see your word come to pass. Your will be done through them and in them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Good morning. What we're going to do, today we're going to, we're going to have an introduction and an invitation. So as I shared, our introduction is going to be to the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, and why it's good for us. And then as for the where and when, here and now, right? Holy Spirit is for today. He was for yesterday, for today, and forever. Um, And so to introduce the Holy Spirit, I'm going to turn it over to Guy, and he's going to start with our introduction, and our introduction is then going to be followed by an invitation. Oh, well, first of all, what a pleasure to introduce the Holy Spirit. I mean, you don't get to do that that often, Um, but we should. And, and it's also awkward because to introduce somebody that's already here, right. yes. everywhere, all around us is hard too. So just want to acknowledge the fact that while we'll be introducing, the Holy Spirit is here right now. Yes. He's inside of me, he's all around us. He's here with us today. So just kind of keep that in mind. Sometimes I won't be talking like that, but that's the reality. Good? Amen. That's uh, called the, the Trinity Knot. Who's seen that before? Just that image. Or triquetra. I've never heard that, but also it must be called that. So that is an image that can kind of be helpful as we think about the Trinity, the three persons of God, right? And it's been used a lot, and I think this, way, this is a good way for me to understand it. So you, you think at the top is the Father, the bottom left the Son, the bottom right the Spirit. And you see the little words in there. So the Son is not the Father. The Father's not the Spirit. The Spirit's not the Son. They are three distinct persons. But all three of them are equally God. And it's hard for us to understand that. That's why we have the not. That's why we have this pretty picture. But the other thing I wanted to tell you about the Holy Spirit is he's not the third person of the Trinity. So we hear that a lot. There is no third person of the Trinity. They all defer to one another because they're one God. So if you think about it, the Father just wants the Son to be glorified, wants to set him up to rule. That's that's what he wants, right? The Son wants to glorify the Father. Not my will, his will be done. If you see me, you're not, anything good you see in me, you're seen as the Father. The Spirit wants to lift up the Son. Jesus wanted more than anything to send the Holy Spirit to us because he knew the power of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is the Trinity. There is no first, second, third. There's no top, bottom, bottom. Yes, okay. that's right. And that's hard, but it's important to remember that. It's not like the Holy Spirit is the third person in the hierarchy. Right. And it's not like he's how somehow separate from the other two. 
functionally he is, but he's just as much God. They aren't God without him. Like it can't, that can't be broken. So that's who the Holy Spirit is in relation to the Trinity. And now we think about what does the Holy Spirit do? Remember, we said functionally they are different. They do different things, right? The persons, but it's one God. So in Genesis, we see the Holy Spirit there. Like some people, it's not like he came on the day of Pentecost and the, and the earth had never seen the Holy Spirit before, right? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, all three persons of God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. There was no form yet. There was something there. It just had no form. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So I just want us to stop and picture that. So kids think like, it's dark, there's something there, but it's formless. It says the surface of the deep, it's dark, it's there. And the Holy Spirit is hovering over it. Why would he be hovering over it? What do you, what do you think, Lily? To bless it and make it into a beautiful world. Wow. wow. Ladies and gentlemen, Lily's teaching today. <laughs> she just said to bless it and make it into the world that we see today. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's been, that's been good. Bless you all. We don't need to go further. <laughs> that's what he's there for. <clears throat> and I'll say it a different way. Lily said it better, but for the purposes of today, I'll say, he was there to make the world look like what the Father wanted it to look like. Yes. He was waiting. It's his job. He's excited to do it. And he's just, your will, Father, be done. Tell me what to do. Because yes. he's there to do it. He's not worried like, maybe I won't be able to do it. Maybe something will go wrong. No, he's just like, when you will it and speak it, I make it happen. That's right. Okay, and then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So if you think about that, it's the Father that wills it, right? Your will be done, Father. He's the will and the Godhead, right? The Son speaks it. In John, talking about that first, the first chapter of the book of John is talking about the same event. And he said, the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word of God is Jesus. Yes. He is the Word of God made flesh. He is the spoken Word of God. Yes. So when the Father wills it, the Son, the Word, speaks it into existence. And then the Holy Spirit carries that out, makes it happen everywhere, makes everything look like what the Father wills it to look like and what the Son says. He carries that out. That's what he's there for. That's who he is. That's his job. If you think about somebody, sometimes a little bit of my identity is in my job. I'm a salesperson. I'm a nurse. I'm a mother, right? His job is I make it happen. I carry it out. So in Exodus 31, we see him again. So he was there in Genesis. He carried it out. The Lord said to Moses, See, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kind of skills. 
to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. So the Holy Spirit's there in Bezalel. What's, what is Bezalel doing? That's another good question. Well, he's, he knows how to do all of this stuff. What was the point? What was he making? Right? So he is, if you think about Tabernacle Temple, right? That is God's, the presence of God's dwelling on the earth. So the Holy Spirit says, if that part of the earth is going to look like God wants it to, to host his presence, that's my job. I make the earth look like what the Father wills, where the presence is. That's what I do. So he gets involved there. So it's the first time after creation he gets involved. That's why. This part of the earth is going to look exactly like the Father wants it. That's me. So he's doing that there. And then in Joel 2, we see that same Holy Spirit showing a prophet what is to come, right? That's another thing he does. But so you think, well, wait, what does he do? Does he make the earth look like God wants it to, or does he just tell prophets what to say? Well, watch what they say. All of them in one way or another are saying this. Afterwards, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. So he's talking about that happening. All throughout, he's talking about Jesus is going to come and be a sacrifice for you, for your sins, to reunite you with the Father so you can do his will. You and I get to do it together. I'm not alone anymore. You're redeemed. We can do the work together. I'm not just on you for a specific purpose. I'm in everybody. Everybody. Both men and women, young and old. I get to partner with all of you, and we're all going to do what I am supposed to do, which is make the earth look like what the Father wants it to look like. His his job has never changed. The only difference is he's telling us something's going to happen that's going to make it so we all get to work together, you and I together bringing the kingdom to the planet Earth. And then in Acts 2... We see him arrive, and, and what was said so beautifully this morning was, it wasn't quiet, right? Like, just like the hovering over the water, it was like, I'm hovering like, I'm ready. I'm not sitting back here until you say something. I'm here waiting. I'm excited. I know what's coming, because I also am omniscient. I'm ready. So when he came in there, right, he gets released. Jesus goes up, Holy Spirit gets released. He comes in, and he's like, yes, we're going to do this together. And that rushing wind comes in, there's fire in it, and he falls on and indwells these people in this room. And what is the first thing they do? Anybody remember? They start to speak in tongues. Tongues they don't know, that they didn't know before. And they, they don't just stay there and do that. They run outside and they start telling everybody boldly about the work that Jesus has done and the kingdom is here and it's in us and we get to do it. Isn't that amazing that Jesus made this happen? So that's, every time you'll see the Holy Spirit act, his job is to make the world look like what the Father wills. He's doing it through us and every time he's there, the first thing is boldly proclaim. We'll see Acts 4, boldly proclaim. The Holy Spirit comes 
Sometimes there's noise and wind and shaking and fire. And so sometimes we can think, that's what the Holy Spirit is. Forget his job. Forget him and us and what we're supposed to be doing. What's this about the shaking and the fire and the wind, right? The Holy Spirit shows up. That's part of who he is and what he does. Like he, he makes himself known and he's not shy about that. But today we'll say sometimes we just see that part, right? The shaking, the fire, the, the spectacular. And we forget that's just one part. He comes spectacularly, but it's so that we can do the work of the Father empowered by him. That's why he's here. So that piece of it, while it's cool, that's not the purpose you know that they didn't stay in the upper room and saying, man, I hope this wind keeps up. That's amazing wind. That tongue of fire, look at that. That's not what they did. They started speaking and they went out and boldly proclaimed. That's what he's for. So, so when you think about the Holy Spirit, if you've thought of him as, boy, speaking in tongues sounds weird, or uh, the opposite end, boy, I hope I see the gold dust fall or I see, right? I'm just saying for today, we'll expand that back to who he's been, yes. his original job, and who he is now and the fact that he accomplishes it through us now. We work together now. He does not, he chooses not, the Father wills not for him to do it all by himself. That doesn't happen. Just like he doesn't expect us to do it all by ourselves and our own strength. It's always the two of us together going, what do you want, Father? What did you say, Jesus? We're going to make it happen. So, yeah, and in the rest of the New Testament, everything else that's recorded in the Bible, what is he doing? Boldly speaking, those apostles go everywhere and make disciples. That's the whole known world. That's the different places they went. He comes, boom, speaking boldly, acting in power, out there doing all the things that Jesus did through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them, and that starts to go everywhere. That parts of the world, parts of it, pieces of it, start to look like God wants it to look. And when you think, what does he want it to look like? If you, if you wonder, look at what the fruits of the Spirit are. If the Spirit's job is to make it look one way, and the fruit of that job, what does that look like? Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, it doesn't look like wind. It doesn't look like shaking. It looks like not so much spectacular, but supernatural. Yes. Supernatural kindness, supernatural patience, right? When you look at what the kingdoms look like through us, you see the fruit of the Spirit. Then I get to talk about, so what if, right, you weren't in that room. I, I wasn't in that room. You can't be in that room. That room was thousands of years ago. What do we do then? Some of us know, right? Some of us have experienced this. Some of us haven't. So the very first thing is to be filled, right? We talk, one thing we talk about, Christ said the job of the Holy Spirit is to make the earth look like the kingdom of heaven right? What he does for us personally, the power of the Holy Spirit brings us to faith in Christ and unites us to Christ and his body, the church. It's his power 
that allows that to happen in our lives, Amen. right? We, we feel like we make a choice, right? But that's not a choice that we could make on our own, that's right. right? It's like he empowers that choice. So when you say, if you've said, Jesus, I can't do it on my own. I need you. I make you the Lord of my life. You have taken every sin I have, all my shame, and now you're united to him and his body, and you are part of the kingdom. So the thing he does for you personally is make your self, your spirit, in alignment with the kingdom of God. Amen. And so not, not only does it in the whole world, he does it also just for you. And so we see that this is, so for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So that, does, that means that that is a gift that's open to everybody, right? Salvation isn't only for some, isn't only for the special, isn't only for the ones that have gotten it together and now can come and take the gift of salvation. It's for the ones that need it. And that's all of us. It was me, it was you, it was everybody in this room. Then there's something else, right? Because those people in the upper room... They were literally with Jesus. So, of course, they believed in him, and he was their savior. He was their redeemer. He was their restorer, right? But then something else happened. So they were united to him in one spirit through the Holy Spirit, but then something happened that is sometimes called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've also heard the filling with the Holy Spirit, and that's what it said. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that there are other terms. I did not grow up in a charismatic movement, so I know that there's lots of terms for it. Those are the two I think you might be most familiar with. And so what does that mean? That's when we are empowered to exalt Jesus and spread the kingdom, right? He makes our spirit one with every one of other citizens of the kingdom, and then he gives us power to spread the kingdom. And that's what we saw in those people, right? They're out in the street. People actually thought... So kids, don't, don't do this at home, but people thought they were drunk at 9 a.m. in the morning. They thought that they had drunk a bunch of beer or alcohol and were just out of their minds. And so they had to tell them, no, we're not drunk. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. He's so amazing that we can't contain it. We can't hold it in. This stool is in my way. I'm moving it. And so sometimes... That happens right after we give our lives to Jesus. I know people that that happened. They're like, I gave Jesus my life. He was the Lord of my life. And immediately I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I spoke in tongues, right? Sometimes it's days. Sometimes it's weeks. Sometimes it's years. For me, I had been saved for 10 years before I got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues for the first time. So if you've been saved for a day, a year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, do not think that it's not for you or it's passed you by, right? He is always going to be there. And that is that fulfillment of Joel 2, right? I will pour out my spirit on all people, all people. And this is that, that scripture that Ed shared earlier, right? And all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Does anybody see an age limit on that? Does it say all people over the age of 18 were filled? right? Is there a gender requirement? All, all the men were filled, but the women, not so much. No, all people. So that means that it's available to all of us. If you are in this room, if you are hearing my voice, you are all, yeah. and it is available to you. 
And then we see another example in Acts 19. What can this look like? Right? Do I just, how, how do I be filled? We ask. He's a good father. Yes. And when we ask him, he gives us good gifts. And so one way we can ask, we see Paul. He's with a group of disciples. He placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit was given to them. And they spoke unknown languages and prophesied. And so that's part of the invitation, right? Yes. We have lots of people here that can lay hands on you and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And then what does that look like? Well, that's the next step. We speak the language, right? Because we see in that verse, they spoke unknown languages. So I want to clarify first, and this is for some of our older adults in the room, this is not the spiritual gift of tongues that we see talked about in 1 Corinthians 12. That is a gift to a person for the church. Right? And that's why if we have a tongue, which is someone speaking in an unknown language, come from the front of the church, we also have an interpretation to follow. Because otherwise nobody would understand it. Nobody would know what was being said. But what we're talking about, praying in tongues, speaking in tongues, that's a personal language for my spirit to speak directly to the Holy Spirit. So there's nothing in between us. It's the way that I speak to him immediately. And so... That's part of speaking the language. I remember the very first time I was in a church where they practiced speaking in tongues. So they did this in the church body. It was not for the edification of the entire church, right? They were having a time of personal prayer. So it would be like if we had people who spoke English and Italian and French and German, and they were all praying in their individual languages, right? I don't understand what the person next to me is praying, but we are all praying and receiving blessing from the Holy Spirit. And so this church was doing that. We were just having a time of, they were having a time of prayer. It was a time of worship. And I had not even encountered like who Holy Spirit was at that point. And so I was like, oh, that's really different. <laughs> right? I was like, okay. But I was with people that I trusted and that I knew they weren't crazy. They weren't silly. They loved Jesus, they loved me, and so that I knew that it was safe. So I want to remind you, so this, if this is kind of your first experience of speaking in tongues or hearing people speak in a language that you don't even understand, right? It may sound silly and it may sound strange, but it is safe yes. because we are in family. And so just a little bit, like, so Paul talks a little bit more about tongues. And this is in 1 Corinthians 14. In verse 4, he said, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And that's what I was talking about. When you are praying in tongues, you're speaking directly to the Holy Spirit. Nobody else is going to understand you. It's not even about anybody else. It's just about you and the Holy Spirit. But what does it say that it does? It builds you up. I think if you ask anyone who's prayed in tongues, anyone who does pray in tongues, you do not feel worse after you pray in tongues. Yeah, I, in fact, I would challenge you to say you cannot feel worse after you pray in tongues because your spirit is being ministered directly to and speaking That's directly good. to the Holy Spirit. Well said. And then in 1 Corinthians, then in 14 and 15, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What does unfruitful mean? Anybody? No. Yeah, it means like you, your mind, yeah, you don't know what you're saying, right? So I think that can be hard from some, for some of us to be like, wait, I turned my mind off? 
I don't engage my mind, but doesn't, doesn't God value my mind? Absolutely he does. But this is about your spirit, which is still part of you too. Our mind is important, but we also have a spirit and a soul. And this is about your spirit. And so Paul says, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll pray with my mind also. So that's Paul saying both and, right? It's not either or. God is almost rarely either or, right? He's almost always both and, right? And then, but I will, and then he says, I will sing praise with my spirit. So if you are a singer, if you love to worship, you can sing in your spirit too. That's not something I participate in particularly, but I love to hear other people do it. And he says, I will sing with my mind also. So Paul is saying here, yeah, do both. They both have a place. They both have a purpose, but you want to do both. And then he goes again, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Very humble, Paul. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words with a tongue. That is why you will see in this body, when we have someone come up front and there is a tongue delivered, there will be an interpretation. Because it's not fruitful to just have someone come up here and say words that nobody can understand. And I th- so I shared a story about my, my first experience with tongues. And I think Guy has a story about one of his early experiences with praying in tongues. Yeah. This is something I heard Dan Reynolds say. If you don't know who Dan Reynolds is, uh, you'll get it in one of the following sermons. Um, but he just kind of helps this church, aids this church. Uh, helps Tom and Randy specifically. And he said this one time he came here and he was speaking in front of everybody. Western thinking, that means America, <clears throat> overestimates the mind and underestimates the spirit. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's yes. true. So how many, time, how many of you, when you were listening to Dana, thought when she said, turn off my brain, mind unfruitful, bypass your brain, did you be like, nope, check please? Because it means I don't know what I'm doing. But when you think about who you're giving that control to, that turns it into obedience. God doesn't underestimate your spirit. He doesn't value your mind over your spirit. They're both there. They make up who you are. Your spirit is real. And it's not better than your mind. He made both of them. He wants to talk to both of them. Yes. Hard for us to understand because we don't spend much time in our society thinking about our spirit, the health of our spirit, right? Our spirit communicating. But God does. Yes. He doesn't yeah. care that we don't teach that as part of development here. He still sees it. He still cares. And that's still part of you. So when you overestimate your mind and underestimate your spirit, that's not in line with how God sees it, number one. And number two, when you go, my mind must be engaged for me to communicate with God, that's putting something in there that isn't there. So it's okay as an act of obedience to do what Western thought would say is unthinkable, which is, I'm going to stop having this control everything And I'm going to give my spirit utterance. I'm going to let my spirit talk to God. 
and I'm going to get my mind out of the way. So that's where my story comes in. I was laid hands, filled with the Holy Spirit. I knew that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But what I had been taught was the second that happens, boom, you start speaking in tongues. You can't help it. It just bubbles out. You couldn't stop it if you tried. That's what I had been told. So I'm going to tell you kids in here and maybe some adults, we're just going to talk about the mechanics of it because nobody ever did that for me. So I started to say, man, maybe I, maybe it didn't work. Maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way for me. Maybe I'm not even really filled with the Holy Spirit. It missed, must have missed part of that prayer. The person praying, well, I knew the person praying over me there, nothing wrong with them. Something's, something's not working and it's my fault. And if I just, I can think my way out of it. So my brain was so engaged in how to do it, I would listen to other people. It's supposed to sound like that. But the problem is none of them sounded the same. I didn't know how to do it. I would even listen to like, what are they saying? Are there words that are repeated in there, right? And then when I would try to do that, I absolutely knew that it was my brain just trying to emulate what I had seen. And I got frustrated and gave up. For, I don't know how, I mean, I was still young, so it couldn't have been that long. So finally, you know, I heard a message like this one. No, it is for you. That language that allows your spirit to speak directly to God, that one was for everyone, yes. all. Yes. So I'm like, and I understood it's, it's for building me up. It's for communicating. It's a way I can praise. It's a way I can express all of that that my spirit wants to say. And I was just so frustrated. So I talked to my mom. I have no idea why this is happening. And, and I said, uh, oh, so she goes, hey, just don't think so hard. Just when, you're, when you lay down tonight, just start talking to God. So I stopped trying, and I laid there, and I'm just praying. God, why, why is this hard? I, I love you. I want to do this. I'm praying. And I'm thinking about what I'm praying about. And when I, like... When my ears re-engaged, I realized that's not the words I was thinking. So I was still praying with my mind, but those words had switched over. And then I do remember it was almost like my brain stepping back and going, okay, we'll just watch this happen. And it, it wanted to jump back in and say, okay, what's going on? Can I figure this out? But it's almost like I held it back and said, the second I put that back in there, that's going to stop. And wasn't that what I was going for in the first place? Yes. And does it sound weird? Maybe, but it's the Holy Spirit, yeah. and it's safe. Yes. Right? So I know that, and I'm getting used to it. And what I didn't know at the time was the Holy Spirit's job never changed. He's partnering with me. That's safe, and that's supposed to happen. And it's okay that my brain doesn't dictate what happens there. Because part of what the Holy Spirit is doing is he works through prayer, the prayer of the saints. And that is praying and communicating my spirit directly to God. The Holy Spirit is doing what he does through me because that's the way it works now. And sometimes in obedience, I will discipline myself to say it's not about your brain. And I will step out of the way and I'll let that happen. And the more you do that, to Dana's point, it feels really good. Yes. 
why does it feel good? It shouldn't because if you're just watching it, it doesn't seem, it seems silly. But it feels good because your spirit who's been crying out for that communication gets it. And when you praise with that, it's just like you just open the fire hose all the way up and you just get to go. And it is like your spirit feels so good. And when your spirit feels good, it does affect your body. So it's not about the way it sounds. And it's not about the fact that that's weird or spectacular. It's about what it accomplishes for you and about what comes after. That's the praise goes out. Your spirit's filled up. And what do you do? You do what the Holy Spirit always does. You go out and you start talking about, I feel good. Things are good. God is good. And I'm going to tell you about it. Because that's the whole point. And just one final thing on that. Let's speak the language. One helpful thing I heard, because I had a similar issue to Guy when I was first praying in tongues. But I was an adult, right? Which is even harder to turn your brain off. especially if you kind of live in your head a lot. And one thing somebody said to me that was very helpful because, again, I did not have the same experience where it's, yeah, it just happens. And I'm like, what do you mean it just happens? And they said, and so then somebody, again, in a teaching said, think about learning a new language. Is it immediately you're fluent? Or do you have to put some effort? Are you like when a child is, like when your child is first learning to speak, do they come out and talk with full sentences? No, it's a word here, it's a word there, and then it builds into full sentences. So for some of us, that may be the path for you. The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is he does it however he wants, and he knows you. So he can do whatever he wants, however he wants, and he does it in a way that's going to make sense to you because God doesn't give us gifts that cause us shame and confusion. So I've said that. Obey the Spirit, right? That's the final thing. We put ourselves into submission to Jesus because we've made him Lord of our life, so he's the boss. And the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the power to do that. John Piper said about the Holy Spirit, but one thing is sure. This was when somebody had asked him, if I haven't spoken in tongues yet, note the yet, am I still filled with the Holy Spirit? He said, but one thing is sure. The heart in which the Holy Spirit has been poured out will stop magnifying self and start magnifying God. Amen. Heartfelt praise and worship is the mark of a real experience of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen. Tongues are great. Tongues are beautiful. Tongues are for you. But also, surrendering your heart. Like I said, when your heart is full with the Holy Spirit, praise and worship is different. Yes. It's a different experience. Yes. And another sign of filling with the Holy Spirit is obedience. It's inevitable. This is still John Piper. That when the object of your heart's worship changes, right? It changes from ourself to Jesus, your obedience changes. When Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit and infuses you with a new sense of the glory of God, you have a new desire and a new power to obey. He doesn't ask us to do anything that he doesn't give us the power to do. Obey the Spirit. So I could say a lot about why obedience is good for us and and why it's beautiful, but I think in Romans... Paul says it really, really succinctly and better than I really ever could. So I'm going to read from Romans 8, 1 through 4. This is the contemporary English version, so just a little more accessible for some of our youngers in the room. If you belong to Christ Jesus, you won't be punished. The Holy Spirit will give you life that comes from Jesus and will set you free from sin and death. 
The law of Moses cannot do this because our selfish desires make the law weak. That means we can't be good enough on our own. But God set you free when he sent his own son to be like us sinners and to be a sacrifice for our sin. God used Jesus' body to condemn sin. He did this so that we would do what the law commands by obeying the spirit instead of our own desires. And then a little further on in Romans 8 and 11, it says, yet God raised Jesus to life. And that spirit that raised him to life is inside you now. It lives inside you and he will raise you to life. So not only does he raise your spirit to life and unite it with his body, he will raise your physical body as well. So my dear friends, we must not live to satisfy our desires. If you do, you will die. But you will live if by the help of God's spirit, you say no to your desires, what I want, what I think is good, what I feel. Only those people who are led by God's spirit are his children. God's spirit doesn't make us slaves who are afraid of him. Instead, we become his children and we call him our father. And some in the Bible, a lot of times that says we call him our daddy, yes. right? So when you think about father, sometimes that's a very serious word, right? But when you think about your dad or your daddy, you run to him, right? You want to be with him. God's Spirit makes us sure that we are His children. His Spirit lets us know that together with Christ, we will be given what He has promised. His Spirit assures us. It comforts us. It convicts us sometimes, right? That's the obedience. We allow the Spirit to do that in our lives. But it's such a gift from God. And so this is the invitation. When I was preparing for this message, the Holy Spirit reminded me of um, a story from when I was a little girl, I don't know, maybe six or so, maybe about our youngest son is six, Virgil's age. My dad was a farmer, and so he would go and he would kind of survey our land, kind of the kingdom, if you will. And he invited me to come along. And I was so excited, right? Because I get to be with my dad. And we're going to go on this adventure. We're going to do something. I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know what we're going to do. But I'm excited because I know I'm going to be with him, and I'm going to help, Right? because I am a big helper. And, he, and so we get, in, we get in the car, and we're, we're driving around, we're looking at things. And then every once in a while, he would stop and be like, why don't you open the gate? Right? What, does he need me to open the gate? No, he can open the gate himself. But it's about being with him and participating with him in kind of his plan. Right? And it, it was so amazing because I was safe, I was with him, and we were on an adventure. And that's what the Holy Spirit is offering today. He's saying, you're safe, you're with your daddy, and let's go have an adventure. And then, so one final thing about the adventure. Sometimes it doesn't feel safe. This is, right? Does that look safe to, like, moms in the room? You're like, no, that does not look safe. So that's our son, Deacon, up about four stories. Can you see him up there? Um, just holding on by his hands. There's nothing really on his feet there. And he's crossing that beam using just his hands. So that's an adventure, eh? Right? <laughs> But he is safe because he's strapped into a harness. So if his hands fail, if his strength fails, he will not fall. And that's what, that's what the Father tells us in the Bible. He says he will not let you fall. Your protector will not fall asleep. So we can take a risk. We can be bold because we're strapped into a safety harness and he will never let us fall. That's good. So we're going to move into a time of ministry where we're going to invite you. We've got members of our prayer team that are here, that are ready, that are excited. They've been preparing for this 
all week long to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit, pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, pray for you to get your prayer language. So if you haven't had that experience yet, if you want that experience, if something in you has sparked, if like Ed said, we want everybody today to leave ignited with fire. So we might not hear a rushing wind. We might. Who knows, right? Holy Spirit does what Holy Spirit does. But this is an invitation to you to come. And so if you are here and you have a prayer language and you want to pray to Holy Spirit right now, we invite you to do that. We can have a time of that. Just remember, nobody else, right? If you hear it and you don't understand it, that's fine. It's not for you. It's for the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's for the person praying and it's for the Holy Spirit. But there is something when we're all together praying to the Holy Spirit and all of our spirits are lifted up. So prayer team, I'm going to invite you to come forward. It can feel scary, right? But just remember, you are with family and you are safe. Everyone is for you. Yeah, so I just, I know that some people inside are going either A, it, boy, it's been a long time since that kind of stuff was at work in me. Some people are saying, yeah, I've had hands laid on me, but that hasn't happened. That hasn't been part of my experience. Some of you are saying, I like what they're saying, but I do not want to lose control. I don't want that to happen to me because they think that seems weird. I would say this, if you can change your mind for just a second to go, that's not weird. Right now, culture's weird. We deny the fact that there is a spirit inside of humans, and we don't want to admit it. That is actually, historically speaking and kingdom speaking, that is weird. And so just flip that in your mind and saying the most natural thing is to pay attention to my spirit, know that that's there, know that my spirit desires connection with its creator. So it's... It's not weird. So if you're, if you're struggling with that, it's that easy to let it go, being like, I'm just going to exchange that. So what we're going to ask you to do now is no matter where you're at, if you're saying, I need that kind of fresh anointing, because that's a thing, right? Read Acts 4. The other thing is, it never happened for me, this speaking in tongues thing. And I'm willing to pray, step aside, and let that happen. Or this has never happened in the first place, and I do want to partner with the Holy Spirit in doing exactly what he was sent here to do, which is make this place look like God wants it to look. That it's full of joy, that it's full of peace, that it's full of patience and kindness and all of those things. I want, that. I want to partner with that. I want that to be my job, too. I want to work alongside him. That you would just, we're going to play some music. We're going to ask that if you're not there and you want to just hang out with people, if you wouldn't mind just moving out in the lobby before you start doing that so the rest of us can get up, come, and have some amazing people who are prepared for this pray for you. I know there's an anointing on Dana and I to lay hands on people that have struggled with speaking in tongues that that would happen. So there's confidence there. Um, but I don't think that that's different from anyone standing up here. So we're closing right now, and we're just going to close in a quick prayer, and then come on up if you want to. Father, we just thank you for being a good God. We thank you that your will for this earth is restoration, is health, is wholeness, is perfection. And we thank you so much for sending your Holy Spirit to make it happen, and we're so thankful, so humbled that we get to be part of it. So we say yes to your plan, yes to your lordship, yes to your will. And we partner with you. We say, Holy Spirit, come.
You're welcome here. You're welcome inside. Come on in. I want to partner with you. I want my spirit to be able to speak directly to God, and I want to make this world look like my Father wants it to look. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.